The author, Will Campbell, tells a story about watching a group of young army recruits. They were standing in a line when someone ordered them to face right. And at that point, about half turned right, about a quarter turned left, and the other quarter turned back and forth as if they weren't sure exactly what to do. And Campbell said his first reaction was to sort of chuckle to himself and shake his head, but then he started thinking about it, and he wondered, is it possible that those young men could have grown to that age and no one has taken them the time to teach them their, their left from their right? Is it possible for people to grow up to become adults and no one has taken the time to teach them such an essential thing? Well, friends, I think the answer is yes. Just like it's possible for a person to grow to adulthood and no one has taken the time to teach them about God. Knowing God, not just about God, but knowing God is just as essential as knowing our right from our left, and yet there are people who grow to adulthood and they do not know that most essential thing. Somehow they've, 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 they've grown up in families who love them and they don't, they don't know about God. So not knowing this doesn't mean that their parents don't love them or that their caregivers aren't concerned about them. It's just maybe that the adults in their life assume that faith would take care of itself. But friends, it won't. It won't. Faith will not take care of itself. Now, the reality is that our children, our young people, will not grow into a relationship with God based upon stuff that they just pick up out in the culture. And likewise, extracurricular activities, you know, sports, cheerleading, band, dance, all that sort of stuff, and public school too, well, those are wonderful things. Kids learn so much from them and are blessed if they have the opportunity to be in public school and to take advantage of extracurricular activities, but those things will not teach our children to know God. They won't teach our children the essentials of the Christian faith. The reality, friends, is that if we, the church, do not take that responsibility, embrace that privilege, well then, our children can grow up not knowing their spiritual right from their left. It's that essential that we engage in this task, and it is indeed biblical as well. In our text this morning, the great leader Moses has led the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt, and they've wandered in the wilderness for a very, very long time, waiting to enter the promised land. Well, now... They are at the border. They're ready to cross over, but Moses won't be able to go with them because he's grown too old and weak and sick. He won't make it. So he knows, he knows that he will not be there with them to remind them that they are God's covenant people, to remind them that they are God's servant people, blessed to be a blessing. He knows he will not be there to remind them to place their ultimate trust in God and God alone. So then, he gives them this great commandment that we know as the Shema. Such beautiful words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, keep God at the very center of your life and teach your children to do the same. Friends, the very most important thing that we can do for our kids is to teach them to keep God at the center of their life, to nurture them in the Christian faith, and to not just teach them about God, but to help them learn to know God, because you see their faith, their faith, well, that will not only shape their life and guide them in all they do, but it will give their life real meaning and it will sustain them. It will anchor them. It will give them a rock to stand on when times get tough. There's a very old story about a young soldier who jumped into a foxhole during a terrible, terrible battle. And as he crouched down there and the bullets whizzed over his head, he, he gripped the dirt beside him. And as he did that, he felt a piece of metal. He picked it up, and it was a silver crucifix, no doubt left behind by a former occupant. Well, a few moments later, another man jumped into the foxhole with a soldier. And when he could finally look up and see who was in there with him, he saw that it was an army chaplain. Holding out the crucifix, the soldier said, Padre, thank God you're here. How do you work this thing? (laughs) Friends, we know, do we not, that we all experience foxholes in life. That hard times, times of struggle, fear, grief, difficulty come to all of us. And when that happens, we need to know which way to turn. We need to know what to do. We need to know who to turn to. Can you imagine being a young person and having no faith to lean on? Can you imagine being a young person who only has the slightest understanding of God in those kinds of circumstances? Friends, can you imagine for a moment being a young person who suffers a terrible loss in your life, the death of a parent or a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a dear friend, and not having the hope of God and Jesus Christ to cling to? What would you do with that? What would you make of it? How would you keep living your life? How would you cope with the grief Or can you imagine being a young person who's committed a sin that you feel really, really bad about? Something that makes you feel ashamed. And you've never learned about the forgiveness that God offers us in Christ. Can you imagine the burden of that guilt weighing down on you? Can you imagine believing that that sin has to define the rest of your life? will shape who you are, that you cannot ever be more than your mistake? 
Can you imagine such a thing? Our friends, can you imagine being a young person who feels bad about yourself because you're not the best looking or the smartest or the fastest or the most popular in school? And no one in your whole life has taught you that you are beautiful and precious and unique because you belong to God, because you are a child of God. Friends, can you imagine these things? Maybe you don't have to imagine. Maybe you've been that child or that young person and you know how it feels. Friends, who will teach our children? Who will teach our young people to keep God at the center of their lives? Who will teach our children? Who will teach our young people who they are and whose they are? Who will teach them about the power of grace and the reality of hope in God? Well, I pray that in this moment, the words, I will, are bubbling up inside all of us. Church, do you feel those words bubbling up? Amen? Amen. We, the church, we, the church, have that privilege to teach our children to keep God at the very center of their lives, to teach them who they are and whose they are. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, caregivers, I want you to know you're not in this by yourself. It takes a village, as they say. And we, the church, pledge, we promise to stand beside you, to support you in teaching your children the truth about our Lord God, about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, about the joy of keeping God at the center of our lives. We promise that we will teach our children those things through our words we do. We promise, as the church, that we will speak about God and Jesus Christ to our children. We will teach them the truth about God and Jesus Christ, and moreover, we will speak words of love and grace and hope and forgiveness to our children. And we promise that we will speak in that same way to one another because they listen, do they not? What we say to them is so important, church. But especially in this day and age, we've got to be careful about the way we speak to one another because our kids are listening. So it is time for us to double down on grace, to double down on hope, to double down on forgiveness, to double down on civility because when we speak in a Christian way to one another, we give evidence that God is at the center of our lives, that we love God, that God is our highest value, and we teach our children to do the same. We also promise that we will teach our children to keep God at the center of their life through our actions. Because we understand that although words are very, very powerful, actions are just as powerful, are they not? It's not enough to just talk about God. We've got to live out our faith, and we promise as the church that we will do that in ways that our children can see it. Now, we know that grand gestures can be wonderful, but we also understand 
that small acts of faith habitually repeated can move mountains, can change the life of a child for good and for God. So, church, whether you're teaching Sunday school or giving to a special offering, feeding the hungry, donating clothes for those who are homeless, serving on a church committee, taking a meal to a sick friend, visiting somebody in the hospital, whatever that gesture of love is in the name of God and Jesus Christ, know always that our children are watching and they're learning from that. And that small act, whatever it is, matters. You know, when I was growing up, my parents were the type that never talked about money. Maybe uh, I'm a little bit older, and uh, the reason my parents didn't talk about it is they were from a generation that felt like that was kind of inappropriate, you know? So they never talked about money. However, week after week after week growing up, I sat next to my dad in the pew in church. And I saw him reach into his coat pocket and pull out a check and lay it in the offering plate as it went by every single week. My parents were very frugal. I knew that that giving was sacrificial for them. They never talked to me about it, but they knew, I think, that, that I watched, that I saw that generosity week after week after week, month after month after month, year after year after year, and that faithful act taught me so much about the joy of giving and how giving reminds us that God is at the very center of our lives and their example continues to shape me in my effort by the grace of God to be a generous person. Church, I, I know you join with me today in promising parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, caregivers that we'll continue to engage in these small acts of faith that can be so powerful in the lives of our children and teach them to keep God at the very center of their lives. And finally, friends, I know we all promise to teach our children about God and to lead our children into relationship with God through the ancient practices of the church. I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful to be the pastor of a church that doesn't just welcome children in worship, we want them here. Now in the midst of a pandemic, that's a tough thing. But I look forward to the day when this place is full of children again. Because you know what? Children have a spiritual life. Their souls need nurture. It is important for them to be able to worship to learn about the power of prayer, to sing the great songs of the faith, to have the words of the Lord's Prayer imprinted on their hearts, to say the Apostles' Creed so many times that they could speak it in their sleep because these things shape who they are now and who they will become. And parents, grandparents, caregivers, if you're worried about your child making noise, laughing or crying or wiggling in church, don't be. Do not be. A church that's full of the sounds of kids, whether that's laughing or crying or wiggling in the seat 
or asking for a piece of gum or a cracker or a 15th time to go to the bathroom, whatever it is, that's a church that's alive. That's a church that's healthy. So we want children here. It is our privilege to have them in worship with us so that we, the church, can teach them the ancient practices of the faith and in that way nurture their relationship with our holy God. My friends, dear church, on this children's Sabbath, I trust that you join with me in promising and pledging to our children and their families that we will support them and love them and help them as their children grow in grace and in faith and we teach them the truth about God and Jesus Christ, that God is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the source of everlasting life, the one who offers real grace, the spiritual left and the right, the very center of our lives. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks. For you offer yourself as the center of our lives and you invite us to cling to you, to put you first and in that to know the safety and the security and the nurture of faith. Lord, thank you for our children. What a gift they are. They are so dear to us. Remind us, oh God, of our privilege and our joy of teaching our children the faith and leading them into a relationship with you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.